for Arizona Public Media. I'm Leslie Tolbert, Regents Professor Emerita in Neuroscience at the University of Arizona, and this is Arizona Science. Today we'll be talking with David Sabara, Professor in the Department of Psychology at the University of Arizona. Dave studies stress and the impacts of close social relationships on our health. Dave, welcome. Thank you. Great to be with you. So tell us about your research background. How did you get interested in the science of close social relationships? Sure. I am a clinical psychologist by training, and I also am a health psychologist. So I study the intersection of psychological science and physical health. And for a long time, we've been trying to understand the link between close relationship status, for example, whether you're married, separated, divorced, bereaved, single, and health outcomes, and I can talk about that, of course, as well as uh, relationship quality and physical health. And we use, you know, I've done a lot of studies, for example, related to divorce and health, and we use divorce as a model system for understanding stress and health more generally, and we try to understand the psychology of how people recover from uh, marital separation and the experience of divorce, and then link that psychology to health-relevant physiological processes that may matter downstream. You're reminding us that our social relationships, our, our level of connection, could actually have a direct impact on, on our health, and in particular, potentially on our reaction to infection by the, the novel coronavirus. Yes. And one of the things that's interesting when you dig into that body of research is that the stressors that tend to put people most at risk for viral infection were interpersonal stressors in general. And this is in large part why we're studying close relationships is that, you know, we really do believe that relationships are the critical social context for some, not only of our most joyous experiences, of being alive on this planet, but also some of the most stressful ones and the most tense ones. And that's where our strong emotions are evoked most strongly. One of the important things in my line of work, though, is the ability to build plausible biological bridges between the social world and the physiology that is health relevant. And so, for example, we've done work and others have done work looking at a series of immune signaling uh, molecules known as pro-inflammatory cytokines. And cytokines and baseline cytokine levels and then cytokine responses to stress are uh, seem to be highly associated with viral infection. And then there's a whole nother line of work related to health behaviors and the role of critical health behaviors for protecting us against poor distal outcomes following stress, and the most, probably the most important one being sleep and sleep quality. Are these things also that we should be focusing on if we find it difficult to be alone? I think when we start understanding the larger context of what's happening to people, we begin with the idea of a routine disruption. And, you know, we're, we're several months into this now, but many people's routines are still quite disruptive. Um, because, you know, kids are coming and going. We don't know what's going to happen to them. We're pulled. Maybe we need to be on virtual meetings at unusual times. So when you think about how we organize health behaviors, routine becomes central. So trying to find a routine in which we're sleeping very well, we're eating as well as possible, we're getting enough physical activity, we're getting enough social connection. And we think of these as very critical markers to understanding 
maybe even causal contributors to our well-being, but critical markers to assessing our own well-being in general. Um, and sleep. Sleep turned out to be so important um, in terms of prediction of from exposure to actual clinical infection and then clinical disease. And there was actually a calibration of it that probably getting less than seven hours of sleep for adults who need about seven or eight is a critical point that that turns to uh, more of a risk. But also a marker of 80% sleep efficiency. And sleep efficiency, it refers to the percentage of time you are asleep given the t overall time you were in bed trying to sleep. So uh, if you're someone who falls asleep right when you close your eyes, you have a very high sleep efficiency. And sleep efficiency really does seem to matter. We've been talking with Dave Sabara, professor in psychology, about the importance of personal relationships to our biological health. Thanks Thank you. Much. Thank you. Thank you. You can hear this in all Arizona Science Conversations at azpm.org slash Arizona Science. I'm Leslie Tolbert.